live to tape. Welcome to Millennial Season 3, Episode 8. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. And I'm Laura. Well, Elisa, welcome back from your vacation. Thank you. We hope you had a, a nice time. But don't don't tell us too much yet, because we have a game to play with you in a little bit. Okay. You want, brace you want your to play butthole. a game? <laughs> okay. Butthole's <laughs> braced. I'm ready. Keep it clenched. I think, I think- I think she's already been there. Anyway, continue. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Uh, did you play Pokemon <laughs> Go down in Aruba? Did you have internet down there? Yeah, I did. Oh. Um, they had a lot of water Pokemon, predictably. Excellent. Um, but, like, nothing that really stood out as being new or cool from, from the usual. But I know that they just released a bunch of new ones, right? Yeah, they added about 80 new Pokemon from Gen 2 of the Pokemon lineup. I don't know any of these Gen 2s or 3s or any other Pokemon other than the original 150 because that's all I really played as a kid. But it was a big deal because they finally added new Pokemon. People have been waiting for a long time. We've all gotten tired of catching Pidgeys and um, Ekans and all these other ones that show up all the time. And I started playing a little bit again, but I'm not doing that egg bullshit anymore. I am done with the eggs. I feel so cheated. I've spoken about that previously, getting the same boring-ass Pokemon over and over again. Still haven't caught those adorable baby Pokemon. But yeah, it's been nice catching some of the new ones. It's refreshing. Have you guys played? No. I'm actually logging in right now for the first time in several months. (laughs) (laughs) Just because you reminded me that this existed. Uh Mm Uh-huh. What bothers me is when people are like, I see this on Twitter a lot. People say, people still play Pokemon Go? And it's like, yeah, I do still play Pokemon Go, just like you still play a video game that you've been playing for a long ass time. We all have our games that we enjoy playing for a long period of time. So don't make fun of people who are still playing Pokemon Go. We want to catch them all. Yeah, it's not letting me log in, so I'm going to forget about it for another five months. (laughs) Until Gen 3 is added. I know some people who, like, have their whole Pokédexes complete with Gen 1, and I'm just like, loser. But I still find it fun to play. I don't, weirdly enough, I I know that the reason Gen 2 was released was to get everybody excited about Pokémon Go again, but for me, it did the exact opposite, because I kind of feel like, now I'm starting over at Square 1. Like, I Mm. worked really fucking hard to get as many pokemon as i did i would i walked (laughs) miles out of my way i actually exercised and (laughs) then here gen 2 comes and like i had all of i had all my little squares filled in you know i had like 90 percent well 90 percent of the squares filled in i was evolving shit and it's like man look at my like completion percentage go up and now (laughs) It's like cut in fucking half yeah. because there's Gen 2. And so to me, it's sort of like the equivalent of having my account deleted and starting over from the beginning <laughs> because I, I'm so far from catching them all. Uh-huh. <laughs> so fuck you, Pokemon Go. I'm done with you. That's what Aww. I say. Uh, I'll, I'll disagree with you. I think it's I think it's a good thing. I'm going over to London in, a, in about a week and a half and 
some Pokemon are, are like region locked, so you can only get certain ones in certain countries. And I haven't been over there since uh, before this game came out. And I think they're Jinxes over in England. So I'm excited to catch some new stuff that I wouldn't get otherwise. But yeah, so playing that a uh, little little note about last week's episode we were doing book recommendations and i recommended a gay detective series but i <laughs> a gay cop series and i didn't say the title of the series so i've gotten a bunch of messages this week being like uh what was the title of that the title is cut and run sorry for not mentioning it but it's they, there's like eight books out now at this point i haven't run uh, i haven't read a single one of them yet but they have very good reviews on Amazon. Many people are saying it's a hit series. So I was waiting for that. <laughs> so uh, check it out. And maybe I'll check out my own recommendation at some point in the future. This week, <laughs> in the week of our Lord 2017, our dear Elisa is hitting a milestone birthday. Isn't that right? Yeah, I'm turning 21. <laughs> so i can drink now only four what's ways it gonna away. be like yeah to drink legally for the first time <laughs> you know i um i'm looking forward to when i'm arrested it only being one charge now like public indecency <laughs> public indecency i can deal with but like you know like being drunk in public like that was just a bridge too far so i'm really yeah I'm, but aren't they still gonna charge you with the public urination though yeah, I, don't I think do- that falls under the indecency charge. I don't know. Is is is, is like peeing on people and like is that is that a public <laughs> space? Ugh. I don't think that is. Have either of you ever peed outside while being drunk? Yes. Uh, um. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know if I have or not. I probably have. I really don't remember an incident where I did, but I sure as shit remember when Laura has. <laughs> When was this? Uh, Best night of my life. <laughs> you can tell it. We've talked about you. this. We've talked. Have right. we? We. I, well, I don't know if we've told the full story. I mean, too long didn't read. Basically, Laura goes to a wedding in Baltimore. She takes me as as her plus one, and <clears throat> I'm driving, so I don't drink. Laura gets fucking hammered. And by the way, she you couldn't really tell that she was drunk at the wedding. It was this weird light switch. She's walking around. She's being charming and saying hi to everybody. Then the minute we leave the property, she's literally falling to the ground and laughing at herself. (laughs) And I have to drag her into the car. I have some pretty sweet video, but I won't share it. And and, um, (laughs) suffice it to say, we we get in the car. I'm trying to stop her. I'm trying to stop her from like pressing her face against the glass because uh, she kept she kept doing that and I was like wobbling my window. We we get we get down the highway like ten minutes. We're heading to my grandparents' house and all of a sudden she just like kind of mumbles like bum, bum. I'm like what? She's like pull over. I'm like okay. <laughs> I pull over. I pull over into this little suburb area and like right in like this. Right in, like, the grass in between someone's front yard and their main drag. <laughs> right in the grass. I think she, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she, like, vomits and pees simultaneously. I did. Oh, yeah. my God. It starts it was, out with just vomit, I think. Yeah, I had to throw up. But then the the sheer force of the vomit uh, made me have to pee, too. That's that is I, insane. I was, wearing a, I was wearing a dress, so... 
you know, the peeing part was pretty easy. She just squatted right there in, like, someone's front yard <laughs> and took a piss. And the most adorable part, though, to her credit, is that she's really worried about her dress, like, being wet and that she doesn't want to sit in my car with, like, her pee-stained Aww. dress. Yeah. So she puts, like, I don't even remember what it was, like, a bag or something down on the seat and we just go about our, our night. But, um, yeah. So that, oh, that's yeah. funny. Oh, man. That was the same night that I uh, threw up a few times in your grandparents' downstairs bathroom. And I was just like, oh, gosh, I hope her grandma doesn't hear this because I'm sure she'll bring it up over breakfast tomorrow. (laughs) So so you're going to be drinking legally now. Uh, Any other plans for your birthday? Uh, Yeah, but I don't know exactly what they are, to be honest with you. My my boyfriend has, like, something planned, but he won't tell me what it is. It's a surprise. So I'll have to report back next week. Here's jeez, uh, he, he's the, just it's pl- the butt stuff. It's gonna <laughs> it's happen. The butt stuff. Surprise, bitch! <laughs> bend over. <laughs> this is happening. That sounds entirely likely. Okay, actually, cool. Can't wait to hear what happens. Uh, well, speaking of you, Elisa, let's keep the focus on you for a little longer. So you were in Aruba, and we decided last week that the three of us, Matt, Laura, and I, would make some predictions about what you would be up to. So we asked ourselves five questions, and we're going to get the answers from you now. Very excited, because I've been eagerly awaiting learning what exactly happened. Oh, God. Okay. So question one, it's the one everybody wants to know. Did you take it up the butt? Now, before you answer, I'll tell you what we said would happen. Okay. I said yes. By the way, these disgusting questions have been sitting on my desktop all week open, just sitting here in the corner. <laughs> so excited to co- delete this file already. <laughs> um, I said yes, you are going to take it up the butt. Laura said yes. Matt said no, but her boyfriend will take it up the butt. What happened? Oh, man. Um, well, no, I did not take it up the butt. Oh. And, oh. And here's 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 what's really sad is you guys were almost right because I was <laughs> planning on doing it and the only reason it didn't happen is because we got to the airport a little too late on our way out and they couldn't check our bags we had to carry everything on and so security <laughs> security made us throw out our lube. Oh no. <laughs> Are you oh. serious? I'm dead serious. That's a true story. <laughs> We had to throw out our lube oh, at man. security. You, you gotta watch out for that uh, shoe bomber lube. <laughs> you never fucking know. I don't know. I was like, listen, like guys, guys, like I, I have half the bottle of my ass already. There's like basically like a bomb cooking up there. They did not take kindly. Well, you're uh, like it's it's already pretty explosive up there anyway. Oh so. my god! Wow. <laughs> didn't your hotel have amenities you know like next to, in the bathroom have like the shampoo and the conditioner what, and then they and have the like hand, no like hand <laughs> lotion you could use as lube yeah there was there was hand lotion there was conditioner and i i thought about it for like two seconds before i realized i'm not gonna use like hotel quality <laughs> con- hair conditioner the first time i take it in the butt like that's not yeah. the life that i'm about the first time <laughs> so- i'm gonna do it right so you took those little bottles and you flushed them down the toilet before your boyfriend could notice. <laughs> right. 
Question number two. Will Elisa get engaged? I said yes. This was my idea after all. Uh, but Lauren Matt said no. So what happened? Uh, well, <laughs> actually, <laughs> so <laughs> my boyfriend did have a ring. He did bring a ring, but not the kind you put around your finger. Cock <laughs> <laughs> ring. Lovely. Lovely. He... I had a moment of just like panic right there when you started telling me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, <Same>. no. <laughs> He 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 brought a cock ring and had a little like vibrator up at the top of it so that you know it like, hit the clit just right. Um, okay. So, Wait, this is a cock ring with a vibrator on it to hit the clit just right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, it was a proposal. I mean, if that <laughs> if that doesn't get a girl to say yes, I don't know what would. But um, yeah, that that was the only ring that I got, and I'm perfectly oh, I'm perfectly okay with that. Although. I did actually bring a real, like, it's actually a sapphire, but it's like a real legit expensive ring with me to Aruba because I've been planning on faking engagement photos just <laughs> just to send them to Laura and freak her out. <laughs> that would oh have been God. great. I would have skinned you alive if you had done that without telling me first. <laughs> no, but like the joke was supposed to be on you because I knew yeah, you'd know. freak out. Yeah. Yeah, right. were, were you freaking out since i had put that idea in your head like you were flying down there being like oh god oh god what if andrew's right this all is adding up now why are we going to aruba no i i, I really wasn't but i will tell you this is that my boyfriend has started listening to the show and oh i'm sorry yeah he, he he started listening he started back with like season one but once in a while he will listen to the recent ones and so i i didn't want him to hear that segment about the proposal without me confronting him about it first so i just straight up told him like listen like this is what happened on the show this week uh it was his idea to troll you guys with fake engagement photos actually you should have i would have lost my mind uh, that would have been funny. See, this is this is why I like him. Yeah, he gets he gets the best friend stamp of approval. It's very important. That is, I think he might be the only person I've ever dated that's gotten the no, best friend stamp of approval. That's true. That's true. Actually, I've hated the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> Real well, talk. Aren't you a little nervous about like him listening to old stuff and maybe you saying something you wish he wouldn't yeah. hear? Uh, yeah, I am, particularly since I was in a different relationship for the first right. half of the show, and I'm sure that there are some awkward moments right. scattered throughout, but I've warned him about that. I've told him, like, listen, like, listen at your own, you know, your own right. demise here, because it could, it could get rough, and I think, you know, his plan is just to fast forward through the part if it gets weird. <laughs> okay, next question. <laughs> Will Elisa swim naked in the Aruba waters? I said, no, she is a classy lady. She wouldn't do such a thing. Laura and Matt, though, said yes. Yes, she would. Uh, Yeah, I think I did. Oh, great. You think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, we definitely... This is a well, yes or no question. Yeah, were well, you Well, okay, because, because I... Oh. We did get into an outdoor hot tub naked. So does that count? Yeah, that yeah, I think that counts. It was a, it was an it was an outdoor out in the open 
Um, right. Like pretty much anyone walking by could see kind of situation, and we and we did do that naked, but I didn't like go in the open ocean naked. Okay. Well, we'll we'll, we'll give Laura and Matt that, that one. Works. I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, will she get a disease? <laughs> I said no. Laura said yes. Laura, do you remember which two diseases you named yes. two? I said that it was going to be dengue and yellow fever. Great. <laughs> and Matt said yes, but didn't name diseases. Did you get any diseases? I don't know, because <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I'm really freaked out that you guys asked this question, because <laughs> I within like 24 hours of getting back, I noticed that I had all of these weird bug bites all over me. They Ew. still haven't gone away, and it's been like a week, and they still itch, and they look pretty fucking bad, and I've started like like joking, but not joking, that I caught something down there, mm-hmm. so I don't know, <laughs> is the answer. I really don't know. Are they mostly on your legs? They're on my legs and my arms. Mm. So, at first I thought like West Nile or something, like mosquitoes, I don't know. I thought birds spread West Nile. Well, I don't, I don't know. Do they? You might not be. Now I'm thinking of yellow fever symptoms. (laughs) (laughs) You might not be past the incubation period, too. So you may have to wait a little Mm -hmm. while till you realize you have something. Great. Thanks for that thought. (laughs) And then, no problem. And then, final question. Will Elisa be involved in a threesome slash orgy? (laughs) I said no, because it's weird to get get into a threesome after getting engaged. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why why does that have to be weird laura said no because brian won't want that and matt said yes but he doesn't know how many threesomes you'll have no i did not and <laughs> i i really this is a great insight into how crazy you guys think i am um no not, not that did not happen and laura's right actually brian is not about that life Okay. Um, not something that he's into at all. I don't even know if I, I... I think I would in theory, but in practice might be a little nervous. But Brian's not even a big fan of it in theory. Yeah. yeah it's a little intimidating. You got two of everything. You know, could be four of some things. Yeah. Just <laughs> no. I mean, if there, it's all penis, it sounds good to me, actually. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, it looks like Lauren Matt tied in the prediction game with three points each, and I got two. So thank you for playing, Elisa. We, we appreciate you playing this round of Elisa's prediction game. <laughs> my pleasure. Thank-, <laughs> thank you guys for taking bets about you know meaningful moments in my life. Yeah, and getting diseases. And uh, yeah. I, guess, I guess we still don't know the true answer to the disease question. Something still could yeah. come. That's okay. If you get yellow fever, just let me know and I'll be there. I'll stay by your side. <laughs> How kind. I know. All I'll right. tell you. And then I will endorse all of your millennial checks to myself. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, there's no way you're leaving that on a really kind note. You're about to yeah. cut me down now. Let's talk about some news. We have a, a mixed bag of stories today. This is good. Let's start off with a... Sad story. I feel like this happens every year. (laughs) I'm going to read the the opening here from the New York Times. It's so good. When an applicant to the Columbia University Mailman School of Public Health 
got an email on Wednesday saying it was delighted to welcome her. She said she was overcome with euphoria. She began sobbing, and her body shook. I couldn't even control my body, said the applicant, a 23-year-old, for whom Columbia was the number one choice. My teeth even started shattering. I didn't even know that could happen. That jubilation lasted only about 75 minutes, however, as a second email arrived informing her and 276 other prospective students that the acceptance notices had been sent in error. These poor 277 people were, for 75 minutes, effectively, admitted to Columbia University. They were so excited, and then Columbia said, oops. They yeah, sounds about right. blamed human error, but did not elaborate on what exactly happened. Um, the vice dean for education in an email told these applicants that um, they were working to strengthen their internal procedures to ensure that would not happen again. But I feel like this happens again at schools all the time. It does. I feel like every this year and every time it happens didn't it happen with cornell a couple of years ago mm. i feel like i feel like we talked about that happening with yeah cornell i think on the you're show, right actually yeah. yeah it's just it's not that fucking difficult school like bulk emailing is just not hard to do <laughs> like get right. your shit together <laughs> or well, you know what how about you have a human go through and make sure every single person was indeed accepted, accepted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you look at the tuition costs. How about employing somebody who doesn't screw this up? This happened last year at Carnegie Mellon University. They screwed up 800 applicants. It's happened at uh, Fordham University as well in 2013, MIT in 2014. So it's kind of an annual tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, sometimes I wish, I wish Columbia had done this to me. <laughs> could have could have saved me a lot of student loan debt and an anxiety disorder. So you're saying you do not need your Columbia University degree? Uh no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that at this point in my life I I gained three things from Columbia University. Um as I mentioned, an anxiety disorder, number 2, um an extreme amount of student loan debt, and number 3, a very lovely piece of paper that says that I went there. I'm sure I'm sure one day all of these things will come in handy, but I'm still a little salty. Give me some time. I'm not even a year past graduation yet. I'm still just like a little bit throwing a little bit of shade their way. Yeah. I, I'm sure once I get that job that they've promised I'm going to get that's going to pay me really well, I'll feel a little differently. <laughs> uh, you're in good shape. You're in good shape. You're not but- salty. By the way, one of the more spectacular failures, as the New York Times puts it, was in 2009 when the University of California, San Diego, sent 28,000 students an email saying they'd been accepted when they had not been. 28,000 students. That's That's that moment where, as a university, you just, you say, yep, you're all in, but no financial aid. (laughs) Pay Pay us full boat. Right. And we will take you. Exactly. Actually, maybe that is what happened with me. Hmm. What else anyway. is going on in the world? So the state of Maine has made a habit of asking the federal government to ban the purchase of sugary soft drinks and candy with food stamps. And once again, this year, they're asking the federal government to allow them to ban exactly that. 
Now, the Department of Health and Human Services says that the nutritional value of candy and soda doesn't require further debate and that Maine faces rising obesity, and therefore it's reasonable that they would not want people on food stamps to be able to to use those food stamps for candy and soda. Um, the A recent U.S. Department of Agriculture study also found that soft drinks accounted for about 5% of food stamp purchases, uh, which is not nothing. It, it amounts to, I don't remember the exact figure, but uh, a lot of million of, millions of dollars, uh, tens of millions of dollars per year for the state of Maine. Meanwhile, the state of Maine spends about $700 million on obesity-related medical expenditures for those very same people who are on food stamps because, of course, they can't afford um medical coverage themselves in many cases. So mm. they need it subsidized. And so Maine is basically saying, you know, folks who are low income need food stamps. Okay. But they're using food stamps for some, uh, you know, not very healthy food and drink options. And then we end up footing the bill for that later down the road on obesity related medical procedures. So they're asking, you know, they're asking the government, is it cool if we ban this? But they need the federal government's approval before they make that change to the food stamp program. So I thought this was something interesting and worth talking about. I could see both sides of the argument, frankly. So I, I'm curious what you guys think. This is super weird because I worked in a grocery store all throughout high school and frequently had customers who were using food stamps and EBT cards and things like that. And at least here in Georgia, I never saw anybody able to buy sugary sodas or candy or anything like that on food stamps. As a matter of fact, I have distinct memories of people trying to do that and my register like physically not letting me scan. Well, I could physically scan, of course, but it like wouldn't actually record it. And I would get a memo on the screen that was like, you know, this is not EBT eligible or things like that. So I don't I I find it really weird that we have those restrictions here but they don't have them in Maine. Yeah, yeah well, I, I I'm I'm for this ban taking place. It makes sense to me. If if you're going to be getting food stamps from the state or the country, then you should probably uh use them wisely and not use them for unhealthy products. I feel like it's such a slippery slope, though. That's what makes me uncomfortable about this. I totally understand the logic behind it. But I think first you would have to look at, okay, how much money, um, how many costs are racked up by people on food stamps that then later go on to have like obesity-related illnesses that the taxpayers then have to foot versus how many people who aren't on food stamps have the same issues that end up also costing us tax dollars. You know mm. what I mean? Like I That's feel like true. you kind of I feel like you have to make the argument that one is worse than the other in order to justify taking them away from somebody. Um the other thing is that so many um and I hate to like stereotype here but generally it tends to be a very conservative position to want to tie um like restrictions to welfare programs. You know, there are a lot of people who are like, if you're getting food stamps, you should have to go for mandatory drug testing or you should be required to do X, Y, and Z thing. And it really boils down to the question of like, 
if you're going to give people assistance, are you going to trust them to use it in a way that is, you know, beneficial and healthy to them? Or are you going to give somebody assistance, but then tie a whole bunch of strings to it that make their lives difficult? I'm like, I don't know that I would necessarily would look at a mother who is with her three children in the grocery store and like once a month, the kids want a Coke. I don't necessarily think that's the end of the world. So I don't know. I feel like this is a really complex issue. And I personally have a hard time coming down on either side of it because like Elisa, I I definitely see why Maine is, is viewing this as a problem. But I also think that if we're too fast to start passing judgments on the way people are using um, the social safety net, then that can just lead us down a whole other rabbit hole of issues. So I don't know. It is a slippery. I, it is a slippery slope in some ways. I mean, to your point, the the one the one issue that I take with it is, you know, okay, I can. I think everybody. I mean, even the U.S. Department of Agriculture and Health and Human Services under Obama, by the way, not under President Trump, but under a liberal president, outright said that sodas and candy are super unhealthy for you, particularly for the kids who use the food stamps the most. And so everyone can get on board with that. It's kind of like saying cigarettes are bad. Like, everyone gets that. It's very common sense. But then I guess it it concerns me just from the aspect of, you know, okay, well, then where do we start drawing the line? What else can't they buy because it's unhealthy? What about mm-hmm. white? What about white bread? I mean, whole grain bread is a lot healthier can they not buy white bread? Because white bread has a whole shitload of like high fructose corn syrup in it. And that contributes yeah. to obesity too. And so for me, that's sort of my question is like, where do we start drawing distinctions here? That being said, I do think that I, I, I do understand the logic behind it and why you would want to do that, why you would want to ban people from using food stamps to buy this kind of this kind of thing. And like, I, you know, I have personal experience in my life and, you know, from having been raised in the state of Maryland where um, I've seen families really not abuse the food stamp system. They use it to buy food, but really never buy the right things. And that's purely anecdotal. That's not like a data set or anything, but I've known several families in my life on food stamps and they go to the store and they buy tasty cakes and Hawaiian punch And then they freak out because two weeks later they have nothing to eat. And my whole life, I remember growing up, my mom would actually write out a grocery list for them. My mom would sit down and schedule out the food with them and say, hey, if you don't start buying like, you know, oats and bread and lunch meat instead of tasty cakes and Hawaiian punch, of course you're going to run out of food. You have to stop blowing it on crap. Um, and so I have seen firsthand how this can be a really serious problem, both financially and health wise. So I get like, it makes sense to me. It makes sense. I just, I just, like Laura said, I, I see both sides of the coin. Yeah. And then you also have to ask yourself about the the cost of healthy food versus the cost of unhealthy food. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, junk food tends to be cheaper. It's cheaper to buy a two liter of sugary soda than it is to buy a case of water. Or naturally. Yeah. And naturally, you want the soda over the water because the chemicals in it make you want it more. 
Maybe a nice, exactly. And maybe a nice compromise for a state could be you can use X number of food stamps on this kind of thing, but you can't use it willy nilly. You know what I mean? Like you can't go, you can't go to the grocery store and use all your food stamps for ho-hos and cookies, right? Like that's, that should not be allowed. But if you only use like, you know, if you only get like one thing of cookies, that's fine. Does that make sense? Yeah. I can get that. I'm just also not convinced that, you know, even most food stamp recipients use use the assistance that way. It's just, I mean, again, it's anecdotal experience, but having worked where I worked all throughout high school and seen a lot of people come through the line on food stamps, generally speaking, it was people who were trying to buy like the basic staples so they could feed their families. And so I just want to be careful that we're not giving this impression that like it's a huge thing where something like 90% of food stamp recipients are going out and buying, you know, like hostess type no, things or, you know, I well, certainly it don't is, think that it is a big industry, though. I'm reading here in a 2014 report from CNN that a 2012 study found that two billion in food stamps each year goes to the sales of sugary drinks. Now, yeah. I don't know the total number of uh, food stamps sales each year, but that that's a big number. And for that's that reason... The soda industry is going to fight tooth and nail to avoid mm-hmm. something like this from happening because obviously they will be severely impacted by this if suddenly they're losing $2 billion in revenue a year. That's a lot. Yeah. That is yeah. a lot. But it would also, I don't know, I think it would also behoove the companies to start coming out with healthier sports drink alternatives. Yeah. Right? Like things that, you know, don't necessarily flag the system as being unhealthy. How about... I mean, the, Companies like this, like, doesn't Coke make vitamin water? Yeah. Yeah. Or doesn't, yeah, like, I mean, they have, they certainly do have the capability of making healthier alternatives. They do. I, I, yeah, I guess my cop out, my cop out opinion at the end of the day is just, it's, it, I would be in favor of restricting it more than it is restricted currently, but maybe not, you know, maybe not outright saying you can never buy a soda. With a yeah. food stamp. Yeah, um, I think and, that's ridiculous. Yeah, and I would also say, too, that when we talk about food stamp recipients, that this story of all stories should remind us that you can't paint them with a broad brush, even on a state-by-state basis. So food stamp, the food stamp program works differently in Maine than it does in Maryland, than it does in Georgia, than it does in mm-hmm. California, than it does everywhere else. And so... You know, our pers- everyone's personal anecdotal experiences cannot be applied broadly to the country. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Let's talk about another story now. Uh, this is some good news. A study has found that teen suicide attempts have dropped by a lot. Uh, 134,000 per year wow. have disappeared. And same-sex marriage being implemented across the country is the reason why. This study was by JAMA Pediatrics. Uh, they looked at the various... They, they, there's this whole explanation about why why they came to... How they came to discover this. And we won't get into the technical side of it. But they discussed why they think this is. Why there was such a big drop and why it connects to same-sex marriage. And they said they did not investigate the mechanism by which same-sex 
uh, marriage policies reduced adolescent suicide attempts. But a few possibilities are that the state same-sex marriage policies reduced perceived stigma among LGBT adolescents. That state same-sex marriage policies reduce stigmatizing behavior towards LGBT adolescents by teachers, parents, or peers. Or um, that campaigns for same state same-sex marriage policies... Oh my god, this is a mouthful to get through. Policies (laughs) reduce perceived stigma among LGBT... Anyway, point is, people are cooler with same-sex marriage now. So when it's more accepted, people uh, are, are... are not feeling suicidal over not being accepted as as a human being. So gay marriage becoming the law of the land a couple of years ago seems to have have had a very positive impact on this country, not just the fact that gays can marry each other now, but that people look at themselves in a more positive light and feel better about their future. Mhm. I think it's really interesting that in this study they were, you know, in order to have like a control group, they they basically looked at 32 states that had implemented same-sex marriage by 2015 uh, relative to 15 states that did not and measured the rates of suicide in those states. Um, mm. And they noticed a 7% difference. I mean, that's, that's huge. And yeah. it, it just makes me really concerned for what's coming down the pike i mean obviously same-sex marriage is still legal but with all of the really hateful rhetoric that's going around right now i i i'm just worried i'm worried that we're gonna start backsliding yeah well even a story like today when we were learning more about Mm -hmm. trump's new immigration policy and hearing that that millions of immigrants could be deported a -hmm. lot more um, then we're previously being deported, then uh, that could certainly lead to suicidal thoughts, I would think. Not being welcomed in this country anymore, having to be on the run, stuff mm-hmm. like that could cause some some serious issues. Yeah. I think it's interesting that it's tied to same-sex marriage laws in particular. It's not even... Nec- same-sex marriage laws, of course, being indicative of a cultural shift, but the study actually had nothing to do with the cultural shift itself had to do with the actual same sex marriage with that being with that explicitly that, that institution being accessible to same sex couples. I think that just goes to show um, how big of a difference laws actually make in our mental well being and in our state of mind, that it's not just about like wanting to pass a wanting to pass a law or wanting marriage to be accessible to everybody. And that's not just about equal rights per se. Of course, it is that, but it's not just that. It's also how you feel about yourself. It really impacts people's self-image, impacts how you feel about your whole life. Um, I, I, I just, I, I personally, someone who like like loves politics, just am tickled that that actual law can impact someone's mental state in such a positive mm-hmm. way. Well, yeah, yeah. because I mean... They know at that point they're legally protected. They have this right that they didn't have before. And I mean, the only thing that I can liken it to is what it must have felt like for women 
who lived during a time where they couldn't do things like open a credit card or get a loan or have, you know, their utilities or anything like that in their name. And then all of a sudden coming into a day and age where they can do all of those things and the government recognizes they can. Um, And I mean, not having lived that experience myself, I can only relate to it through the stories told to me by older relatives of mine. But I would imagine that's got to be a lot what it feels like. All right, let's move on. So Michigan State University just this week banned whiteboards from dorm room doors saying that they have, quote, become an increasingly popular platform for harassment. Apparently, a host of students have been waking up in the mornings with racial and you know anti-LGBTQ slurs being scrawled on their whiteboards. And, uh, of course, it's, you know, awful and and stressing the students out. So Michigan State University banned whiteboards. Now, it's also receiving a lot of backlash for this response, even though it's meant with good intentions. Because some people are saying, you know, okay, A for effort, we get it. But other people are saying it's a cop-out because they feel like the university isn't really addressing the systemic issue here. The fact that there's all of this hate-fueled speech going on. And instead, just banning whiteboards. Uh, and they actually, the the uh, news, the local news, interviewed a few students about this. And some of the students uh, who who to whom this had happened rather said that before the whiteboards were in their lives, people were just scrawling them on the doors themselves. They were just etching it yeah. right into the door, or using paint or a marker or whatever else. And that really has nothing to do with the whiteboards at all. Right. Um, and so I, I thought this was something worth bringing up because it's clearly a case of of college students being harassed and the college itself trying to do something about it, but maybe not really. Yeah, it's, it's a band aid response. Yeah, exactly. And I was going to say, like, uh, people are still going to do this, whether there's a whiteboard or not. If they want to leave a mean message on somebody's door, they're going to take their own marker and write it there. Yes, the whiteboard certainly makes it easier to leave a message because you just pick up the marker that in a lot of cases is just hanging there on the whiteboard. Uh, But yeah, this doesn't seem to solve much. It's a quick Band-Aid that that won't won't fix the issue. And... uh, the the school should be yelled at for not trying harder. How about install some cameras or <laughs> add some guards or that would cost money, Andrew. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> that you know, it's just it amazes me that a university can't look around at all of the hateful rhetoric that we're seeing right now. All the increase in anti-Semitic messages being spray painted on walls, on um, on temples being like firebombed and, and threatened with bomb threats and things like that. Um, I, on the subway in New York a couple of weeks ago, somebody had drawn swastikas all over the walls with Sharpie. This isn't something that's just confined to their university of, of students harassing each other with racial slurs to try and be edgy and cool. This is a larger problem. And as a university, I hold them responsible to being at the forefront of the movement to try and stop it. And they need to be doing more than just banning whiteboards because that's not going to fucking do anything. When I was in school, 
fuck yeah, we harassed each other with the whiteboards. We did it by drawing dicks on each other's whiteboards. But I mean, it still happened. And taking getting rid of the whiteboards just isn't going to fucking do anything. And it's just a lazy response. It's just lazy. So I I completely agree with that. And and your example, Laura, someone drawing uh, dicks on whiteboards is really apropos to what I wanted to discuss here, too, which was this idea of there's a narrative. There's a narrative now that college students just have really thin skin, that millennials in general have really thin skin. You know, people call millennials uh, and particularly liberal millennials snowflakes and and little dainty flowers, and we can't yeah. handle we can't handle you know the normal average everyday disagreement of a free society. And I, I think that this story for me made me kind of want to discuss where do you draw the line? What is harassment versus what is actually just normal dissent and kids being kids and people being assholes? And I think the the, the case of Michigan State, people are talking about actual slurs here. That that any reasonable person should be able to acknowledge that that's just harassment and it's fucked yes. up, and and that the school has a clear responsibility to the students to do something more than banning whiteboards. Uh, but I had at my school, uh, at my undergrad institution, we had chalkboards instead, and people would often do like stupid shit, like draw dicks and. Um, would print out like pictures of like poop and stuff, really immature <laughs> crap that like I didn't think was really a huge deal. It was kind of you know whatever funny. Well, I had um, I had I wouldn't say a friend, but a classmate who was was gay and in the closet. Someone drew a dick on his chalkboard outside of his dorm, and he really freaked out and called it harassment. And said that it was, you know, people were trying to out him. He wasn't, he, he was not ready to come out and people had outed him by drawing dicks on his chalkboard. Now, apparently this happened more than once. It happened like three times over the span of like a month long period. And so he said it was the repeated nature of it that made him think it was targeted directly at him for being gay. But, you know, I also had people drawing dicks on my chalkboard too. And didn't necessarily interpret that way. And nobody even knew that he was gay until he made a big fuss about it. And so I guess my question is like, what do you, wh- where, what is the standard for harassment versus not? It's a good question. Um, I mean, I can't speak to your friend's particular situation because I don't know what was in, in the minds and hearts of the people who were drawing those dicks on his door. And right. I don't think, I don't think anybody is ever going to know the answer to that question. Um, but I think, you know, I used to draw dicks on my friends' doors. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't do it to random strangers because I think to me, I, I don't have the rapport with a random stranger to draw a dick on their door, right? So uh, I guess here's the question. If you're drawing a dick on somebody's door and that person opens the door and sees you doing it, What's their reaction going to be? I think that's how you gauge it. Is this a person who's going to open the door and laugh that you're drawing a dick on the door? Or is it somebody who's going to be horrified and being like, why are you defiling my door? I don't fucking know you. Or if you don't know the answer to that question, maybe yeah. just don't do it. Maybe just don't do it. <laughs> or what's just what's the intent? What is the yeah. intent behind the dick on the dorm? Is it because the guy inside the 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 room likes to suck dick? Or is it right. just... 
the intent. I just want to be imma- an immature college freshman drawing dicks on doors because ha ha ha, that's so funny. Instead of banning whiteboards, we got to ban white people. What do you think of that? That'll solve a lot of this. I also, <laughs> you're probably not 100% wrong. I, I was going to say, not, not off base. Anyway, I think one of the hallmarks of harassment for me, and I'm not an expert in this field, so take this with a grain of salt, but I think for me, one of the hallmarks of harassment versus fucking around is whether or not someone asks you to stop. So mm-hmm. if, if a student on campus, or anybody for that matter, says, hey, like, cut cut it out or please stop or whatever and then you keep right. doing it i think no matter what it is at that point and even no matter what your intent is at that point you could classify it as harassment because now somebody has deliberately said to you i don't like this please mm. stop yeah. and and you have to respect their sense of agency and just stop and if you mm-hmm. don't at that point then you're harassing them but on the other hand if someone drew a dick on your chalkboard and you never told them to stop, or maybe that's a bad example. If someone drew a dick on your chalkboard and uh, you told them to stop, rather, and then they did, then you probably should have let the first dick slide. You know, you should probably let that go and not say that's it was what she harassment. Said. Yeah, <laughs> I knew that was. Yeah, coming. well, I think it's it becomes tricky though because there's a level of anonymity that happens here. I mean, did your friend ever find out who was drawing the dicks on his door? Like, did he ever, did he ever have a specific person to confront and say, yo, knock it off. Right. True. So at at the moment that like that's happening to you repeatedly and you're feeling harassed, but you have no source to direct that feeling towards, what do you do? Right. Yeah, and I don't know the answer, and and I, I, I don't know. In that case, I guess, and this is not a justification or a solution, but, you know, you could put something up on your door that says, hey, cut <laughs> cut it out. Fucking stop it, right? Or if you do, for instance, take your chalkboard down and they keep drawing dicks on your actual door, now that's a sign that there's, like, some, like, grade A asshole going on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't think there's a perfect answer to that, but for me, in my mind, I always draw the line at, like, did someone tell you to stop? If yes, then you're harassing them. Like that's. I'm glad that this whole discussion has been in the context of drawing dicks specifically. Yeah. Nothing else. <laughs> well, because well, because I mean, like, let's go back to the original story. Using racial slurs is clear harassment. Like, oh, there's yeah. just there's no gray area there. So we had to go to drawing dicks. I agree. Like, you shouldn't have <laughs> to tell you shouldn't have to tell someone to stop there. Like, one time is enough. For it yeah. to be harassment. But. Yep. All right. Interesting. I, I Also, in hindsight, it's just hilarious that, like, <laughs> this kind of thing even happens. Like, do we have to draw penises on whiteboards? Can we all Can we all try to grow up a little bit? We're in no. college. No. Come on. No. 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 I mean, hey, it's, listen. No. Uh, like I said, it was me and my friends drawing obnoxious genitalia on each other's doors because we thought it was funny. Right. You know, I was going to call everybody who does that immature, but then I just remembered that I would draw dicks on my Apple Watch and send them to Laura just about a year ago. So (laughs) I have some growing up to do as well. Actually, I think the first Apple Watch drawing you sent me, you wrote, want to fuck? Probably, because I wanted to fuck. Yep. (laughs) Sorry for harassing you via Apple Watch. Then you sent me your dick beat. My dick beat. (laughs) I used to have these fan, well, not fantasies, but I used to be like, Oh, I'm going to send my heartbeat to people while I'm having sex. 
And no, then, I remember. I think you said that on this show, actually. Probably. And then I never actually did it because I realized I'm having sex. Why do I need to go send a heartbeat to someone? That's lame. You know what's not lame? Having sex. Because you want everyone to know that you're having sex. <laughs> and 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 I also always have to take off my Apple Watch while having sex. Because if you are in the top position, your hands are on the bed and you're banging away your your arm leans into your hand you see because it's at like a 45 percent mm-hmm. angle or something and the emergency button gets pressed in and then <laughs> my fucking apple watch is ready to call 911 while i'm having sex and i'm like oh shit gotta take this off right now otherwise police are showing up no no sir there's an officer there's nothing wrong i was just having sex with my apple watch activated <laughs> and like, sos but mode. we we got your heartbeat and it was racing <laughs> Oh, that's just me when I'm in a dominant position. <laughs> but really, that a is a problem. dominant position. You talk that. about it like you're a wolf out humping in the wild. <laughs> okay. All right. Last, last uh, uh, news story here for me. This is also related to college. This is a lot more fun, I promise. A Pennsylvania college student got a reminder to take out the trash when his mother sent him a care package full of literal garbage. Uh, Connor Cox said that his mom sent him two boxes to Westminster College. One was full of food. The other was full of actual trash. And when he called and was like, hey, what the fuck, mom? She said, hey, there's the trash you were supposed to take out the last time you visited home. Um, I just thought this was hilarious and I was curious if your parents ever did like super passive aggressive shit like this while you were off at school. Did? Still <laughs> Speak do? about this as if this is all past tense. Because oh, Laura yeah. still lives at home. That's loser. right. I'm a, lo- I'm a loser. Just kidding. I'll probably be doing that later this year. Yeah, that's okay. I'll call you a loser then. It's fine. fine. It's reciprocal. Um, no, I mean like, so... I have a, a, I have a habit, um, and I mean, I, I get why it annoys her, but like, I'll, you know, I'll check my mail or whatever, and I'll end up like leaving my mail like on the living room table or whatever. My mom always makes a point of like picking up my mail and going and putting it right in the middle of my bed, <laughs> my room, because <laughs> she's like, why can't you just fucking take it to your room? Yeah. Um, so yeah, she'll do stuff like that. Uh, never went as far as to send me garbage, though. I think my mom loves me more than that. Yeah. (laughs) Never happened to me either. Uh, the gay in me always kept things very organized, and so my bedroom as a kid was always organized, and took out the trash and stuff like that. Yeah, I was a good boy. This story, for me, just reminded me of when I was in college, I didn't really take care of my, my health very much i didn't go to the doctor regularly i didn't go to the dentist regularly and so i think it was like junior year i just started like i started getting phone calls from the dentist that was saying we look forward to seeing you on your appointment at such and such date and time (laughs) and i'm like what what the fuck and i would call and they'd be like well yeah we just spoke to you last week and you made this appointment (laughs) i'm like no i didn't this never happened what you know, of course, find out that it was my mom. And she didn't just make the appointment. She made it as me. She would call and say, <laughs> hey, 
This is Elisa. I'm calling to make my appointment for such and such date. So the offices were just totally confused when I would call them back and be like, hey, I, I can't make that. Why would you, like, why is this happening? Like, they thought that I had, like, you know, I had some kind of disorder. But, uh, yeah, it was, that. that's what would happen to me. Not the end of the world, but mm. then my mom thought she was being super slick. I'm like, what did you think was going to happen? That I was going to... I was going to think, oh, yeah, I must have made that appointment. I just don't remember it. <laughs> uh, I remember one time when I was in college, uh, I got a speeding ticket while I was home for the summer. And it was a pretty big one. I was doing 20 over the limit. Um, and we have super speeder laws in Georgia. So that's a big deal. And so, you know, they scheduled me a court date for like November. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I go back to school and I totally forget about it. My court date comes and goes. Of course, I didn't show up in court. And I come back from class one day and my brother has written on my Facebook wall. He's like, category five shitstorm heading your way. And no sooner had I read that than I check my phone. I have a voicemail from my mother who is just it's like a low rumble more than anything in the voicemail um, telling me about how she received a certified letter from our county talking about how my license was going to be suspended and like I was going to go to jail and like all of this shit because I didn't show up at my court date. Uh, and it just reminds me of like how lucky I am that I yeah. had somebody to, to to have my back because I totally forgot about it. Yeah, that's nice. If mother's parents can be helpful like that. Mm-hmm. I, I, w- I think I'm going to hire Elisa's mom to schedule a dentist appointment for me because it's been a while Mm, yeah you gotta go you gotta go get uh that plaque scraped out like we talked about yeah oh god it's at this point (laughs) it's gonna be so bad that i just cannot face the dentist you know i can't do it Uh, it'll be so embarrassing i I think you should uh (laughs) record it for patreon yeah i was gonna say i think you should go and record it why? I'm going to be crying through the whole thing. <laughs> uh, what, getting your teeth cleaned? I, I can't remember. It's probably been... I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I think no one's going <laughs> to like me anymore. It's. I, I was probably still living in New Jersey the last time it happened. I went to the dentist. I'm not even joking. So, like, when you were 18? I'm talking, like, nine years ago. Yeah. Okay. Oh, God. I know. I, well, how am I even alive right now? <laughs> Honestly, you should. I'm gonna sound like your mother here, but you really should go, <laughs> and not because of like any embarrassment factor or anything. Just because, like, I have family members who have gone years, and then by the time they're 40 years old, they have periodontal disease and have to get their mm-hmm. teeth scaled, which is basically when you get like fucking like these razors that okay. they dig down into your no. gums. Because, and pull it all out, yeah. And they, no! Yeah, and they have, to, they have to pull the plaque out from under your gums because <laughs> they waited too long, Andrew. And appara- apparently, it hurts like a bitch. Oh, yeah, in fact, no. in fact, it hurts so bad that when my aunt had to get it done, that they had to do her mouth in quarters. She had to go four <laughs> times to get it done because she couldn't stand the pain. Oh no! So oh, I, no. I say this. I say this genuinely as your Fuck. friend. You should go now because there's still hope for you. But if you keep putting it off, <sighs> this this too will be your fate. Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> Fuck! 
All right. I prefer to live <laughs> in ignorance. It's just better that way. I was better yeah, until 30 seconds there ago. Are, there are like a lot of illnesses that can be associated with having like yes. dental issues. I know. I read a story the other day about a guy who died because like his gum disease transferred down to his lungs or some shit. And then he died a week <laughs> later. It's going to be me. Oh, damn it. Uh, can you I'm just going to make like... your appointment for you in two Please. weeks from now. <laughs> Somebody. Two weeks from now, you're going to get a phone call and be like, yeah, we just spoke to you last oh, week. Oh, man. No, Do listener it. challenge. Make dental appointments for Andrew at your local dentist's office. <laughs> or or recommend somebody who's not going to judge me. Do we have any dentists in the audience? I'll drive. I'll fly to you. I don't want any comments when I show up. Just let me uh, fucking I'm sleep there and you crushed. can take care of my teeth. Not a word out of you. Just all the only words I want to hear are you're done, no cavities. That's all I want to hear. I'm actually crying. <laughs> I am too, because I'm gonna die. Oh, shit. <laughs> you're not gonna die. Andrew, the the dentists see everything under the sun. They yeah, are they not do. gonna judge you they have right. seen some shit okay that is a good point that is a good point. last time i went to the dentist i was actually apologizing to the hygienist who was cleaning my teeth why i think i think well i think everybody thinks that they have the worst teeth right <sighs> and i hadn't been in for a cleaning for a while and so you know i could tell that she was having to put a little bit of extra elbow grease into it and i was like oh i'm so sorry and she was like oh honey i'm so sorry you, she she was like i went to dental school like you just you don't even know some of the shit that we see, she was like, cancer, uh, HIV. It's <laughs> just like so much I, worse. I like, think I was traumatized. Yeah. I think I was traumatized as a child. I think I had a bad dentist and I've just been afraid Everybody of her since did. Then. Yeah. yeah, I had a terrible dentist as a child, and that's what made me super hesitant to ever go back as an adult. Mm. Mm-hmm. But now I have a good dentist. She's awesome. All right. I'm looking on Yelp here at the nearest dentist. There's a couple here. They got five stars. On Yelp, so you should also. I I really like Zocdoc. I found my dentist on Zocdoc, and Zoc I Doc. I looked for dentists in particular that had reviews that said that they were really gentle on your mouth because I was sick of oh. going to the fucking dentist and walking out looking like I had just been mugged because <laughs> my fucking mouth is bleeding for the next twelve hours. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I I hate that. So I found a guy and he had really good reviews and everyone said like he's very gentle but he gets the job done. Sure enough, like my teeth have never been cleaner but I didn't feel a thing. Okay. Good. Yeah. Same. Good. With good. Mine. Good. All right. All right. I will. I will seriously, seriously consider the idea of finally seeing a dentist. He talks me into it. We're going right. to get an update on the next episode, Andrew. We yeah, want to hear g- that you've made your appointment. It's going to come your right assignment. after. Yeah, it's going to come right after I get that simming mug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Here, I'll, I'll make you a deal. I'll be dead before that thing shows up. Cause <laughs> no, 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 I'll, I'll make be- you a deal. Hmm? I'll make you a deal. I'm going to I'm going to order that simming mug and I'm going to send you the order confirmation. But once you have the order confirmation, you have to make a dentist appointment. All and right. if you don't then I'm going to go in and cancel the order. Actually, no, no, no. I'd prefer it this way. Don't send it until I get okay. the dentist thing, because then I'll have some motivation, you know? But then I, I want to actually see the confirmation. Oh, yeah. Trust to, me. I'll I, be I fucking bragging it. about it, because I'll be so glad that it's, <laughs> it's done with. 
Uh, I'm gonna have to talk to my ex-boyfriend too. Promise me some sex after I. I need to build up some momentum here to push me into it. All right, en- enough of this. What else is my my mouse what battery's is... dead? I can't switch to the dock right now. My mouse oh. is protesting <laughs> this this lack of dentistry. Oh. No, that's okay. Okay, guys. In this week's edition of Trumpster Fire, uh, we have another really sad notice that we have to pay tribute to. <sighs> Let's listen to our leader. You look at what's happening in Germany. You look at what's happening last night in Sweden. Sweden. Who would believe this? Sweden. They took in large numbers. They're having problems like they never thought possible. You look at what's happening in Brussels. You look at what's happening all over the world. Take a look at Nice. Take a look at Paris. We've allowed thousands and thousands of people into our country, and there was no way to vet those people. There was no documentation. There was no nothing. So we're going to keep our country safe. So people were confused and realized, oh, my God, a horrible thing happened over in Sweden. What was it? And people started researching, and, uh... Well, Laura, you can wipe those tears away. Because nothing happened! No, something what? happened, Andrew. My, what uh, happened? My mom Ikea bed broke, fell apart. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I love those. <laughs> Where were you when it happened, Laura? <laughs> I was in it. <laughs> <laughs> Eating Swedish meatballs. That's right. Eating Swedish, eating Ikea's meatballs and drinking lindenberry juice. Um, <laughs> that's really nuanced. And I feel like half the people won't know what you're talking about. You posh motherfucker. Okay, let me just make this clear. The only things that I can afford to buy in Ikea are the Swedish meatballs and the Lindenberry juice. I can't afford anything else. All Ikea food is pretty cheap. <laughs> yes, it is. So is their furniture, to be quite honest. But oh, yeah. at any rate, um, yeah, so Bowling Green Part 2. Um, actually, I've heard rumors that Bowling Green is actually located in Sweden. So that, <laughs> that, that might explain this. Fuck it. Maybe, yeah. maybe Sweden's located in Bowling Green at this point. Like, who the fuck knows? <laughs> hey, maybe Bowling Green is a door into another Swedish dimension where this incident actually happened. Yeah. So I like Do- that. Donald Trump later clarified in a tweet of course that he was referring to a report he had seen on fox news he said quote my statement as to what's happening in sweden was in reference to a story that was broadcast on fox news concerning immigrants and sweden so he was talking about the immigration crisis i guess but meanwhile sweden's like there's no problem here we don't even have an immigration problem but the way he said it saying you look at what happened in sweden last night it was like he was talking about a specific event that occurred the night before. Really, oh, all was. this fucker was talking about was the broadcast the night before. Yeah, exactly. He cannot tell the difference between a rebroadcast of, of old footage and actual live news. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, I I like Sweden. Sweden didn't Sweden didn't just 
You know, they, they didn't they didn't play coy with this. They literally asked him. They 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 released a <laughs> statement. The Swedish the federal Swedish government released a statement and said. We would deeply appreciate a clarification of your remarks as we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Literally is like, hey, United States president, we don't know what you're talking about. Like, we don't either. John Oliver did this whole bit on, on this that was really funny if you guys haven't seen it. But he was like, yeah, we have no fucking clue either, guys. We never know what our president's <laughs> talking about. And we're sorry. Yeah, sounds right. And it's been well documented over the past few weeks that he just tweets what he sees on television. And that was another example of this. Um, In fact, while we've been recording here, he tweeted, The so-called angry crowds in home districts of some Republicans are actually, in numerous cases, planned out by liberal activists. Sad. He's referring to these town halls that are taking place across the country. And I'm seeing a tweet showing that just about 10 minutes before... He tweeted that there was a report on Fox News about these angry crowds. He used the same phrase mm-hmm. that, the, that the TV show did, that Fox News did. So, it, And it's really dangerous, the fact that Fox News, what is being broadcast on there, is essentially able to influence the president and what he says. Can we just get like all of the major news networks to start dropping... Like, obviously fake stories to see which ones he picks up on. That would be great. Like, unicorns are real, say scientists. Yeah. I just, I'm just curious. Well, and Bill Maher was, uh, has started a segment where he starts saying nice things about Mr. Trump uh, to to rope him into paying attention to real time. And some people have joked about launching news programs on CNN and whatnot that are directed at Trump. You know he would not be able to resist a TV show on CNN or Fox News or even MSNBC, something called like, hey, listen, Mr. Trump or the the Donald Trump show. (laughs) Why don't we send him a copy of our most recent installment of Trumpster Fire? Okay. Donald Trump, look what you've done to us. (laughs) Look what you've done. (laughs) Uh, I hope never to hear this music again. Uh, I stand with Sweden. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Just unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I also just want to bring up that towards the end of that clip, he said that we didn't perform any vetting on the refugees that came here. Patently false. Just a lie. And what's so frustrating (laughs) about that is they keep saying that over and over again. We are going to vet them properly. They are being vetted properly. It takes years for them to get through. Yeah, exactly. Actually, uh, refugees have to go through a longer and more arduous vetting process than any other class of immigrant in the United States. They are far and away the most vetted already. And you can say, yeah, you know, we should have tweaks and and you know, do more of this or less of that and what have you. And that's that would be one thing. But if there's one thing that we should learn, like right now about the Trump administration, it's that there is no nuance, period. It's it's just, no, this is good, this is bad. Like, Trump talks the way that the book C-Spot Run reads. Everything has to be in, like, two-syllable words, and nothing's really connected with, like, you know, with, like, like, 
like any with articles, you know, it's just like dog like boy, you know, like immigrant bad refugee. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it's word like, salad. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's just disingenuous to suggest that there isn't already such an arduous vetting process. And I'm glad, you know what? As much as it is going to kill American credibility abroad, and as much as it's bad for us as a country, there's some there's a little bit of like Schadenfreude going on here, where I really enjoy that other world leaders are standing up and saying, "What the fuck, dude? Like seriously, what the fuck are you talking about?" You and know, hopefully there'll he, be more of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think even so. in some cases, we have state senators who are calling him a loofah-faced shit gibbon. So that was fun. And John McCain has been pushing back against them, so yes. that's been nice to see as well. But And the other reason they're pushing for this immigration reform is because they're claiming it doesn't work and because it got him elected. So it'll be interesting to see in a few years' time, once time has passed, are there more terrorist attacks that have happened? God forbid, but have more terrorist attacks have t- occurred? Have we seen any positive changes through this extreme vetting or these this this uptick in deportation uh doubtful doubtful yeah but you know what he's gonna pretend like it has fixed things that's how oh, i yeah. wonder like the jobs reports like you look at a chart and it very easily shows that obama has been improving the job situation here unemployment has dropped is he gonna ignore that drop once he starts bragging about his drop if there is a drop or if it goes back up what the hell's gonna happen i just can't wait to see how they spin whatever occurs that's because it's it's a big it's it's republican patriotism nowadays not to accept facts yeah here's the thing he's going to say the opposite of what is true he won't say some variation of the truth which would also be a lie he will say the polar opposite. If the sky is blue, he'll call it red. If mm-hmm. if the the unemployment numbers go up, he'll say they that they went down. Because the bigger the lie, the easier it is to believe. This is a whole psychological thing that's very well founded and well proved that when you tell somebody a really monumental, big, hard to believe lie, it's more likely that they will actually believe it. Because we are hardwired to trust people in power. And it's hard, it's very difficult for a large swath of the country to hear the President of the United States say the sky is red uh, and, and to not believe him. Because they'll think, oh, well, well, no one would lie about something like that to that degree. That's too big of a lie. So it mm-hmm. can't be one. The more absurd it seems, the more likely people are to to believe it to be true, and so, mm-hmm. and so I think we need to watch With out. That, for let's that. move on to some listener feedback to wrap up the show. He's this first one comes from Torrance. He wrote this. Facts are. So on uh, hashing it out last week, Laura and I had this discussion about OKCupid okay and how we've both been using it. It was a good discussion, and he replied in the comments on Patreon. He said, I just wanted to share here that I recently deleted my OkCupid account after having it for about three or four months. I messaged probably around 40 women during my time on there, honestly trying to build a genuine connection with them, asking them about their experiences or work or whatever caught my eye on their profile with not a single response. Not a single person found me worthwhile messaging back, and I did see five or six checked out my profile after I messaged them. 
It was pretty depressing and felt like a complete waste of time. And I was messaging predominantly 80% or up matches. Didn't really help with my low self-esteem when it comes to dating and feeling wanted. I wasn't expecting to find my soulmate on OkCupid, but thought I would at least find someone somewhat interested in talking to me and possibly going on a date in real life. Kind of regressing back to where I was for the last few years, which is a fuck-all-attempts-to-be-in-a-relationship attitude. So, Torrance, not pleased by his experience on OkCupid. That's okay, neither am I. Um, you know, I, I, I can't speak to your particular experience, but I think a lot of men have this, particularly when reaching out to women. Um, and I can tell you that women on these dating apps get so many fucking messages, just inundated with messages oh. that that honestly, it can be really hard to tell the genuine ones from the creepy stalker ones. Um, and sometimes that can just be a result of sheer volume. Like you can just open up your box and just have message upon message upon message. And you're like, fuck this. So there's a chance that a good percentage of these recipients didn't even get your message. So I wouldn't say that you should be assuming that they're going out and looking and thinking that they're not interested. I would venture to guess that a lot of them probably didn't even get the message. Yeah, that's a interesting point. I I was going to say that a lot of people are just shallow on OkCupid. I know I'm guilty of this. Sometimes people will message me and I just won't reply. Or sometimes I'll be starting a conversation. And I think I mentioned this on Hashing It Out. And I'll just stop replying to somebody. Which is you're mean. a dick. <laughs> yeah, I am a dick. Uh, but it's for various reasons. I don't really want to continue a conversation with people. It's just... Uh, maybe because I'm talking to somebody else or now my position is that, well, I'm probably moving out of Los Angeles. Uh, so I, I think, I think I shouldn't even waste my time getting close to somebody unless I really hit it off with somebody, but yeah, I, or unless you just want to fuck, then, you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't do that. Um, I will say that oh, well, you can find good connections with people on OkCupid. I've, I've had some good talks with people but it's just so important that it remains a two-way street if it's suddenly one person doing it more than the other then it all falls apart very quickly i would really i think when people don't message you back even if you have a high rating and you think that there's a good likelihood that you kick it off like don't you really can't on a website like that interpret it as there being something wrong or off about you or your lack of appeal or anything like that there are plenty of, as somebody who was on OkCupid for years, I can tell you that I came across many people who messaged me that I I was interested in and that I did find attractive and I, and I thought we could have a connection and I still didn't message them back just because of where I was in my life. I wasn't really that interested in dating and I kept my profile up sort of as a, a distraction. I didn't log in very often, you know, maybe once every month or two. Um, and it just wasn't a priority for me. And so I would see a message from someone who was really cute and who I had a high percentage match with and would still not respond. And that's just because I just, it wasn't a priority. I wasn't interested. Um, not in that particular person, mm. but in the whole concept of relationships. It just wasn't for me at the time. And so you should really try your hardest to like recognize that, that like 
a lot of the people that you're messaging probably do find you cute and do find you worth a date that it, maybe that they're just on it for shits and giggles and not taking it as seriously as you are. Yeah. Yeah. People are, I think, also can be quick to judge on OkCupid. And like I said, shallow. It's it's easy to ignore people on there when you're just working with an inbox. Yeah. It's just like Gmail. Mm-hmm. So our next one is a confession, actually. Um, uh, so it's, of course, completely anonymous. And this person wrote in and actually expressed that they were a little nervous to share this. And I can understand why. So... They write, I'm sharing this here because it's confessional and because I can't write it anywhere else because I don't want to upset a large body of people who certainly don't deserve to have some more vile shit written about them on the internet. And I hate how I feel, but I am transphobic and I don't really know how to change my attitude. I would never, ever admit this out loud. And when it comes down to it, as long as people aren't harming others, then they should be able to, to be whoever they want to be and do whatever they want to do, have sex with whoever they want, marry whoever they want, as long as they're two consenting adults. So I will always advocate for the trans community when they need it. And for example, at my child's junior school last year, there was a lot of nonsense about bathroom usage between genders because people were concerned about having boys and girls sharing bathrooms. And it was my band-aid suggestion of a fix to compromise on this by making all the bathrooms unisex. My suggestion was actually adopted as the resolution in the end. If anyone ever tried to legislate against or legally restrict the trans community, then I would fight for them to have their rights. For some reason, though, I just can't push away my opinion that you're born one particular gender. You either have XX or XY chromosomes, and that's really all there is to it. It's the same as sexuality. Just like when you're born gay or straight or whatever else, you are also born as either male or female. You don't get to just choose a gender. It's already there from the moment the sperm meets the egg. It's a scientific fact. It is uncommon that people are born with gender chromosome abnormalities. When I went through med school a long time ago, we had to do a brief rotation in psychiatry, and it was very clinical. Trans people were essentially assigned as people who had mental health issues because they weren't identifying as their biological gender. I guess my transphobia comes from a lack of understanding, but for all of my reading and all of my researching, I just can't find anything that makes me understand. I shake my head when I listen to bits about transgender, about the transgender community on the show. My transphobia tends to manifest in ways such as that I find myself annoyed when I hear about trans people pushing for rights, while black Americans and aboriginals around the world do not have their necessary rights and are not equal in society, and we've been trying to give them their rights for centuries. Gay marriage isn't legal in many countries around the world, and homosexuality is still illegal and punished in places. We haven't conquered so many simple human rights issues that I feel like the trans community and their needs should just be lower down the list. It's true that we can all care and fight for more than one thing at a time, but I just think we should expend what little social capital we have getting the basics down before we get onto something that my stupid head still sees as a choice. I am saddened by my inability to come around to the concept. I'm sorry and I'm ashamed. Wow. Yeah. That's like, I mean... First of all, I I disagree 
obviously, with where this is coming from, but I'm really impressed with the approach. I I think too few people are able to step forward and say, this is how I feel, and I know I'm wrong. Right. Mm. And I don't know. I just I, I wish more people could do that. I think that we would live in a much better world if people would do that. If if people could step forward and say, I don't get this, but I'm still willing to step up and advocate for you. Right. I agree. I think that's a super important takeaway that I want to make sure that we all have, including people listening to this, because I'm sure, you know, some of the things said here, you know, I find to be I completely disagree with and I can see how they would certainly set people off. So I would just say remembering the takeaway here that this person, even though they don't they don't get it. They don't agree with it. However, they're totally willing to step up to the bat or step up to the plate, I think is a super important thing that we need to remember here. That said, I think this is another example of something I mentioned last episode or a couple episodes ago, which is that as a culture and as a society, we're still having a really hard time separating uh, chromosomal like sex and your and your genitalia from gender. Um, and I think the argument here is that they're not actually the same thing, that gender and, and what's between your legs are not mutually exclusive things. Just because you have a vagina doesn't make you female in terms of your gender. And I think a lot of that just comes from so long uh, of us ascribing gender to relate to whatever people have between their legs or to whatever their chromosomal, um, you know, gender or biological sex is i would also just look at it this way if you're having questions understanding it um and this is the way i've thought about it sometimes just think of it like you are simply incapable say you are a transgender person you are simply incapable of of feeling normal of feeling that things are supposed to be a certain way. You can't shake this feeling that you are supposed to be this other gender. Because that's that's a good way to look at it to accept gay people, too. I mean, nobody... The, the, the thing that's said often is you don't choose to be gay because you wouldn't want to deal with the shit that gay people go through with, in particular, the, the coming out experience. So look at it from the perspective of when when people when when somebody when there's a transgender person you're looking at in particular they simply could not see themselves any other way they cannot see past that because it is in their head it, they are programmed that way to identify as a different gender mhm as who they are right right yeah, I mean the I and this is going to sound like a little bit cliché, but the thing that I hear a lot when I hear about stories of people realizing or making this realization about themselves for the first time is they say I felt like I was a girl trapped in a boy's body or mm-hmm. vice versa. Yeah. Um and I mean gender we're learning now that gender is such a fluid thing. I mean, I have friends who, you know, they're biologically one thing, but they may identify as a 
you know, a different gender entirely, or they may not identify as either of the binary gender options at all. Mm -hmm. So I think knowing that that spectrum exists makes it a little bit easier to understand. And I come from this being somebody who really didn't start even considering this as an option until the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I, you know, up until very recently, to me, women had vaginas, men had penises and that, you know, that and it wasn't because I was transphobic or it was just because it was something that I hadn't considered. Right. Right. It was it wasn't on my radar. Right. But when I really started thinking about it and started meeting people who did identify who were trans or or who fell somewhere along the, the gender spectrum that is not in the binary, it makes it a lot easier to get. And I think it kind of goes along with what Harvey Milk said about gay people back in the 70s. Like, if you know one gay person, it helps it click for you because there's a human element to to it there and you're not seeing it from that clinical perspective. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. I also want to say to, to the, whoever sent this in, I hear you when you say that you're sorry and that you're ashamed. I want to underscore what Laura said. The fact that you can recognize your own biases mm-hmm. puts you miles above most people of all political affiliations, by the way, liberal and conservative, everybody has blind spots and biases, myself included, and most people can't see them or recognize them. So you should you should give yourself at least a pat on the back for being able to recognize where your biases are. The second thing I'd say is transphobia, just like racism, uh, is not binary. It's not either you are transphobic or you aren't. Most people, I think, exist on on a spectrum of, you know, you have some maybe insensitive or transphobic ideas, but, you know, it's not either on or off. It's just like racism isn't even on or off. It's not that, you know, you're a horrible human piece of trash and you're the devil or you're super inclusive. It's not one or the other. Most people are a little racist, like even if it's Mm -hmm. just a little. Um, And so I would say that for someone who identifies openly as being transphobic, once again, you seem to exist on a spectrum. You are able to recognize that that the trans community still deserves rights and respect. And yes, I think that you do have some transphobic uh, ideas, but I think that that you're able to put them aside and still recognize them as 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 humans worthy of respect and agency is is still impressive. And so I've met a lot worse trans transphobic folks than you. Um, the third thing is, I would say you should really just like like Laura said, their human element is so important. You should talk to you should talk to people in the trans community. I know that's mm. kind of hard because it's like. You know, how do you just like, it's not like you can go to the yellow pages and like look some people up and like say, hey, meet me for coffee. Let's have a conversation. I know that's very difficult, but I would say just open your eyes and ears to, you know, when someone from the trans community is on TV, for example, The Daily Show just interviewed um, a trans woman. So watch that interview, hear what she has to say. And, you know, there there's opportunities to sit and listen. And I think you should take those opportunities wherever you mm-hmm. find them. Just wherever you find an opportunity to hear someone talk about it, uh, you should you should actively seek out those opportunities and just sit and listen and hear them. 
And to that end, I want to say, if we have any trans listeners, I would love for you guys to write us and maybe we can bring one or two of you on the show to talk about your experience so that maybe this listener can hear what you have to say. And, and on a related note, HBO has a documentary called The Trans List, and there are 11 people, I believe they're all celebrities, who talk about their experience being trans. And it's very eye-opening. I actually watched it when it came out a year or two ago. So check that out if you have HBO. There you go. All right. Well, on that note, that wraps up today's long episode. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We actually have a quick programming note. We are going to be on a spring break in the middle of March. Not next week, but the week after we'll be taking off because the three of us are going to be busy doing some other things. Uh, but we will have a new installment of After Dark that week. So um, patrons can look forward to that. We'll probably release it around the time that the normal episodes go out also a little housekeeping we haven't been doing surprise bitch recently speaking of patreon and we're thinking of shaking it up um but maybe we'll talk about that in the future once we nail down a plan for that yeah we want to make sure that we're doing something that's reflective of the way that you guys are actually attempting to communicate with us because as you may have noticed when we try to call you you don't pick up yeah, so. <laughs> and it is a surprise, so a lot of people aren't ready mm-hmm. for various reasons. They're at work or sleeping or just not answering unknown numbers. So, um, yeah, we want to do something that, that's easier for us and you to get your voice on the show. Uh, in After Dark today, Laura, what are we going to be talking about? <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about more of my misadventures in buying a home. Okay. Get excited. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're talking about this actually because I'm really serious about doing it as well, and I'm gonna be moving. And I, I I drunkenly made a poll in the Facebook group the other day asking people where I should move. I didn't really get the results I was hoping for, to be honest. But hmm. but what were you yeah. hoping for? Uh, I I well, Nashville currently leads my list. Mm-hmm. Nashville is a great town. Listen, <sighs> don't don't let people shit on the South just because it's the South. The South has great cities and they're liberal bubbles. And as long as you live in that bubble, you're not going <laughs> to feel any of the crazy conservative shit that's going on outside of it. Hear that, listeners? Laura just called you stupid for voting Chicago as number one. I didn't say I, you that's were what I just heard. Stupid. I just think Chicago is cold. And Laura's going to try to talk me into Atlanta. And I yep. genuinely need her to do that because I'm, currently I'm that gonna is not... I'm going to teach you all about, <laughs> all about the A how it's great. <laughs> oh, I love the A. <laughs> Atlanta. Teach you how to you say like, it right, too. You like my A, baby? That's what I say to people when I have <laughs> sex with them with my Apple Watch on. All right. And uh, do, does this closing song need an explanation? Nope, never... No. Okay. No. Nope, great. Just play it. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Please, we would love your support on Patreon, patreon.com slash millennial. Also, check out our website for a link to the Patreon and much more, millennialshow.com. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. And I'm Laura. Bye, everybody. Brush your teeth every day. 
Then baby you'll have a beautiful smile Smile, smile, smile My baby's got a beautiful smile It's not a bad smile. song